Protect Minnesota, the podcast where we explore 52 reasons why gun violence is an issue in our state. We're bringing you a variety of perspectives and voices from across the state of Minnesota, all advocating for gun violence prevention. This podcast is a tool to help decision makers and stakeholders throughout our communities make informed decisions that will mitigate this public health issue. This is also for the supporters, the volunteers, and the frontline workers who give selflessly and tirelessly to the movement. Thank you for tuning in and showing your support for gun violence prevention efforts across the state of Minnesota. I am your host, Ayolanda. Welcome to another episode of 52 Reasons Why. My name is Jared Muscovitz. I am the Outreach and Organizing Director for Protect Minnesota. And on this episode, I'm uh, uh, pleased to be joined by uh, Reverend Rolf Olson, who is a semi-retired uh, Lutheran pastor, uh, a gun safety advocate, and a, uh, a, a gun violence survivor. Uh, uh, Rolf, thanks so much for being here. How's it going today? Yeah, great to be with you, Jared. Thanks for the opportunity to advance our cause of gun violence prevention. Of course. Um, you know, for those who are listening and who are not familiar with you, may not have met you or are familiar with your work and your story, I, it would be great, I think, for you to introduce yourself a bit, give your background on who you are and, and, and why you do what you do. Yeah, well, thanks, Jared. Um, yeah, like yeah, like you said, I'm a, a mostly retired Lutheran pastor. I have a part-time gig at Roseville Lutheran in, uh, in Roseville here, Twin Cities, Minnesota. Um, but uh, uh, I got involved with gun violence uh, prevention because um, I am a survivor. Um, in 2007, my daughter Catherine went to answer an ad for a nanny on Craigslist. And uh, what she found when she went out to Savage in suburban Minneapolis, St. Paul, was not someone who needed a nanny, but it was a 19-year-old who had posted a fake Craigslist ad and uh, lured her out there to do this short time job before she went off to Spain to work on a graduate degree in Spanish. And uh, he was waiting for her with his father's pistol and uh, apparently upon entry, um, shot her in the back. And they found her body 24 hours later. And of course we didn't know what in the world was going on because we knew she was missing, but that was it. And uh, well, it, you know, we had a, a year and a half, we had a trial, and this man was found guilty of first-degree premeditated murder. He's now at Bayport Prison here in the Twin Cities. So after that, I was asked to get involved with gun violence prevention and um, have been involved now with Protect Minnesota, with Moms Demand Action. I'm in their survivor network. As a gun owner, I'm also involved with the Giffords organization in their Minnesota Gun Owners for Safety. Um, and I am a gun owner. I, I don't hide that fact. I, I have been bird hunting many times in my life. Um, I really enjoy it, grouse and pheasant. Um, I enjoy the process of hunting. As I tell people, I'm more of a nuisance than a threat out in the woods because uh, I'm a terrible marksman. But um, I have shot a few and enjoy serving them and eating them as well. So I have nothing against hunting. Frankly, I have nothing against guns. I just don't want the bad guys to get them. And I want people who have guns to use them responsibly. And um, we have the Minnesota gun safety course that we use for young people. And I hope all people 
I'm especially concerned now because with this massive surge of gun sales that's gone on, we've got all sorts of people with zero training who now own guns and don't realize that to use them responsibly does take some training. So that is a pretty scary uh, scenario of untrained people who uh, emotionally um, have purchased guns and appear to be far too ready to use them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And, and thanks for sharing that story. And again, my, you know, uh, so sorry for your loss as, as you, you know, continue to share that. I, it's unimaginable to me. And I, I also think, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I think that's a, one of the things that, that we've talked about in the past. Obviously, you and I have known each other for a couple of years now, um, you know, coming up, coming up, coming up on a couple of years. We've talked at length about, you know, this idea of raising the bar of, of, of training and what it means to be a responsible gun owner and, and this idea that, you as a gun owner, you know, should, why not be, why are you not willing to take steps to be responsible, to learn, to become a better marksman, a better shot, a, a better responsible, you know, owner of firearms. I think that's something we, we certainly want to try to, to work on reinstilling that into the culture of gun ownership and to understand that this is a, a deadly tool. Um, you know, it needs to be handled responsibly. It needs to be taken seriously. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, along so uh, you mentioned your work with other organizations, along with with Protect, and and uh, of course it's important to mention that you are the chair of our of Protect Minnesota's Interfaith Alliance. Um, and so, how long have you been in the role uh, with our with our Interfaith Alliance? Um, boy, September two thousand nineteen summer 2019 right in there so what is that about three and a half years, years. three and a half yeah. three and a, well, yeah two and a half yeah two and a half, two and a half coming on three coming yeah. up on three yeah so yeah. you're the chair of our interfaith alliance um you know i'd love why don't i'd love for you to tell us a bit about what ifa is uh how it functions who's in it you know just in terms of like what the point of this is and, and what we're uh what, what we're working on a little bit we sure. can, yeah so go right ahead yeah thank you jared um yeah, I, I, uh, I work on the Interfaith Alliance uh, and with the onset of COVID, uh, not too long after uh, um, I got started in 2019, COVID-19 came along. That has changed mm. our structure and our activity in a major sort of way. But uh, in um, a, the broadest sense, we work with people of faith um, Jews, Christians, Muslims, uh, we've tried to get uh, Hindus and Sikhs into it, but there are so few around and they are involved with us and I wish they were, but they're certainly welcome. Mm -hmm. And people of no faith. I mean, we aren't opposed to people, uh, atheists, um, agnostics, um, because we gather not necessarily around a faith core, but around a values core. Exactly. And we have values of community safety, um, personal responsibility and accountability. Um, and uh, the gun issue obviously has pulled us together um, from our various faith perspectives. But our goal is to work together to create a safer culture, safer society, to pass laws, to pass um, information, and to um, use our communities of faith as the tools to communicate our message. And um, so um, currently, Jared, you want me to talk about our latest project? Yeah, I mean, we certainly, I, I think it's really, I mean, I'm really proud of what we're working on with IFA. And I think, I think it would be great for people to know what, what we're working, what that big thing we've been working on for the last few months has been. Sure, 
Sure. Well, um, as a as a pastor, of course, I try to get people to get along with each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe that's one of the core values of any of our faiths, Muslim, Christian, Jew, uh, Hindu, whatever, is um, brotherly love, sisterly love, um, community um, enhancement, et cetera, cooperation. And so uh, one of the things that's distressed me as I have gotten involved with gun violence prevention is really the hostility that exists between the gun rights folks and we who are advocating advocating for what we perceive to be common sense solutions to gun violence. And that hostility just has really bothered me. I mean, I, um, as I have found, as I have talked to, to a number of the people in the gun rights groups, um, we can meet on all sorts of issues in agreement. And I've had some wonderful conversations. I can think of one a couple of years ago where I got invited to come to a gun club and shoot skeet with one of the guys. He said, watch, come and shoot with me. And he was carrying this Second Amendment sign that said, shall not be infringed. You know, the last few words of the Second Amendment. And I said, well, I think you're missing the first part of that amendment. Well, we started out on kind of a sparky note. And then pretty soon we got into talking about hunting dogs and where we like to go hunting and all that stuff. And then he said, come on and shoot skeet with me, um, you know, at the gun club. Well, I didn't do it. But anyway, I realized we can get along. There are many issues that um, can um, on which we can agree. And so um, through this Interfaith Alliance, we have, oh, at least for a year now, talked about how we can meet with some of the gun rights folks and have uh, meaningful conversations and how we can have um, um, our faith communities serve as um, uh, media, mediums uh, in, in which we can um, share our values and share our common concerns and perhaps work towards some common solutions to what we all agree is a problem, which is gun violence. So we have put together as the Interfaith Alliance, um, we call it our toolkit. Um, it is basically a curriculum that uh, we are test driving now with the different faith groups. We've already met once with Christian Jews and Muslims, um, and we're going to do it again we hope in the next month or two, depending on Omicron and how that all plays out. Um, But to put together this package, this curriculum, uh, into which each faith group can insert their sacred texts, whether it's Christian Bible, uh, Hebrew scriptures, or the Quran, um, and create a platform for people of faith to discuss gun violence, how their faith informs um, our understanding, and then we hope some constructive solutions that we can all agree would lead to a safer society. And uh, so we're working on that now. We're pretty proud of what we've developed so far and hope to have it distributed sometime now in 2022. Yeah, I certainly think we're, on, we're definitely on track for that. And I think, you know, for a lot of reasons, this this idea of this toolkit was really born out of uh, the the desire from people uh, who have who have reached out to us and reached out to to you and to other people that are in IFA and have just said, you know, have said how and how do I do this? How can I get involved? How can I make a difference uh, in my community as it pertains to this issue? And a lot, a lot of people just don't know where to start. And quite frankly, it, it can be a daunting task. I think we can all agree that it's it, it can, this is a tough issue for a lot of people to talk about. And um, you know, it's a uh, 
uh, it can be a touchy subject for a lot of people when you talk about gun rights, gun ownership, you know, all the stuff that we are trying to talk about. But, you know, again, this idea that we can give someone, physically hand someone a document or electronically as well will be available in both ways to say this is these are resources you can use to get started, you know, a pathway to have a conversation. Um, and we think that this is going to, you know, again, we can agree on more things than people realize we need to have we need to have civil discourse so there is a, a desire there is a desire for that but there is a desire from people in particular people of faith we found who have reached out to us and said enough is enough how you know help me help me get started you know so we want to make sure we're prepared to say yes um so yeah i think i mean we're, i know we're really excited about it i mean um can you talk to a little bit about um uh, talk a little bit about the meeting that we had or, or, or in, uh, when we dove into a bit of the content of the toolkit, just to give the listener kind of a, 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 a tease as to what they'll find in there if they want to see the whole thing when it's done. Yeah, well, um, we met a couple months ago now. Uh, we had some rabbis, a couple of imams, uh, a couple of us uh, Christian pastors, and uh, a number of dedicated volunteers uh, in a group of close to 30, um, where we got together and um, shared what are the common values that unite us in this, this cause for uh, common safety. A number of us were gun owners. Some people are absolutely opposed to guns, but we, uh, we talked about um, some of the values that draw us into our common concern for gun violence prevention. We also talked about the um, the statistics um, of gun violence. And a lot of people aren't aware of things like in Minnesota, gosh, it's about 70% of gun deaths are suicides. They aren't homicides. Yep. And people usually think of guns and gun violence as well. It's North Minneapolis. Well, 70% of gun deaths in Minnesota, which I would certainly label gun violence, are people shooting themselves. And um, so uh, we talked about the statistics, and for many people, that is just a very eye-opening um, issue. And frankly, suicide is much more of a greater Minnesota issue than it is a metro Twin Cities issue. Um, so we talked about that. Um, Jared, I'm drawing a blank right now on some of the other things we talked about. That's all. You know, we talked about. Um, you know, we 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 had like as you mentioned, like this idea that everyone from different faiths was we're coming together and again differences amongst you know the people in the group obviously different faiths but also different opinions and attitudes towards firearms and we had an incredibly productive i think time for a couple hours um breaking into small groups having larger group discussions um you know we did talk about the statistics you're absolutely right you know 68 uh, percent of gun deaths in minnesota in 2020 were suicides and you're absolutely right again over you know 50 it's just about 53 percent of all gun deaths in Minnesota last year or in 2020 now um, were suicides in rural areas. So over half were rural suicides of all gun deaths, which is a staggering thing. Uh, you know, we also also included in this toolkit will be, um, you know, information about what current legislation is on the books, um, what other kind of legislation has been proposed. Um, you know, when we talk about things like universal background checks or criminal background checks, um, when we talk about, and then other, other, another desire of people, of course, with this is how do I get involved? How do I have conversations? So we have 
you know, lists of personal actions, ways to get involved um, in the larger scope. Um, and we had people talk about their personal stories. You know, we had people talk about what got them involved in this work. And, and everyone seems to know someone. It's either, you know, has been, they've been impacted by gun violence or they know someone who has been, someone in their family or in their friend group. And, and every, we went around that room and everyone had a story about, yeah. about that. Um, I know some, some survey across the country said close to 60% of Americans have been touched personally by gun violence in some way. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to bring up too, and this came out in our, in our uh, group, um, but it's also something that has, I've become much more aware of, um, is safe storage of guns. Um, my daughter was murdered by a pistol that the murderer's father kept in his bedroom dresser with bullets and a pill bottle next to the gun. Um, hardly secure storage, readily accessible to the murderer who then used it, cleaned it after shooting Catherine and um, replaced it back in the drawer. And so um, one of the things we emphasize in our uh, Interfaith Alliance uh, toolkit that we'll be sending out is the importance of safe storage. Um, Many people don't even consider that. But on this issue and the NRA, we're in 100% agreement. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Well, yes. Something we agree on. If, if, if that's not proof that two, you know, people, you know, two groups that you would think on the service are diametrically opposed on every issue can't come together, guess what? Uh, we both do uh, believe in that and agree on that. And, um, and yeah, it's in, in particular, it's such a huge issue in greater Minnesota, I think, um, reinstilling this, this, uh, this desire for call for uh the gun culture to include safe storage you know i mean this idea that you leave a shotgun you know just loaded next to the door if you live out in, in the sticks or live on a farm and you know I, I understand that's the way it's been but that doesn't necessarily mean it's safe and that just because something's been that way for so long that's not a good argument for keeping it the way it was it never has been right um but yeah, I mean, you know, this idea, we know the statistics and the studies show that safe storage uh, prevents, obviously, accidental shootings, but it also prevents uh, suicides um, through the element of added time, um, the added need to unlock a safe or, you know, go and have to go find you know, the ammunition and load it because, you are you know, technically, when you do safe storage, you're supposed to store your firearm unloaded and you're supposed to store your ammo in a different place. Um, that is like the best way you put the gun in a gun safe, you put the ammo in a different safe or in a different room. And, you know, this these things wouldn't be accessible in an instant when you're in the throes of a crisis or when you're, uh, you know, going through a tough time. Um, so, Jared. Um- yeah. You're you're bringing up something here that uh, I think points to a change in our culture since I mean I've got you by a few years <laughs> 1954 um, uh, when I grew up the gun culture the the current this the situation was so different than it is today um, and frankly when my daughter was murdered I had two unloaded uh, guns in my basement and it never even occurred to me that safe storage was an issue in my daughter's murder. Um, That if that gun had had a a lock on it, if that pistol had had a trigger lock on it, or if it had been in a gun case locked in, my daughter would still be alive. The gun storage issue never occurred to me. I thought it was a gun use issue or a misuse issue. But, you know, um, 
our culture has changed so significantly that I'm a Mankato boy and I lived on the edge of Mankato. And when I was in junior high, I just came home from school and grabbed my, my 22 and met my friend that rode my bike out to the railroad tracks and dumped our bikes in the bushes. And we went walking along the railroad tracks to shoot squirrels and rabbits and go home for supper. You know, that's what we did. It was a gun culture. Yeah. And um, it's a different world today. It is. With guns everywhere. And these AR-15s and these other, you know, semi-automatic pistols and all this stuff everywhere. Um, I've got a Winchester 22 lever action. I mean, <laughs> you know, a rifleman. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's just a different world today, and that's why we need to address gun violence so much differently than in 1970 when I was walking the railroad tracks down at Mankato. Yeah, that's. I mean. My, I know my parents have talked about with me about that. Uh, uh, I've heard that from so many people who have said, no, this is just the way it was. I know even thinking about back to my experience with the, with the, the Walls campaign, you know, Governor Walls talked about him growing up in Nebraska, in rural Nebraska. And, you know, people brought their, their guns to school. They put them in their lockers or they left them in their trucks in the parking lot because they were going to go hunting right after school. And sure. it wasn't a big deal. Everyone was just like, no. you know, it's all good. Everyone assumed it just it seems like there was there was less of an assumption of that the of the idea of there being a bad faith actor there a bad actor someone you know there to do to do harm but you know for and i think about how different that is now with what i grew up in you know i was i was 10 years old when columbine happened so i was in fifth grade when that happened and that that has that really was kind of for my generation and for me uh, you know kind of one of those nexus moments right where everything changed from there we went to having school lockdowns we went to you know having metal detectors in schools we went to seeing this these rise of these of these mass shootings in schools that had certainly had happened before but never at this frequency and uh you know it's it's kind of stunning to think it's what we're just talking about a couple decades but to the shift in culture has been alarming and we need to you know, I, but that doesn't mean that culture can't be shifted back. We can shift it. It can We can fight and advocate for ways to, you know, ensure that responsibility and safety are the at the you know the utmost importance when it comes to, uh, you know, this culture of gun ownership. I wish it weren't a partisan issue either, but mm-hmm. obviously we've got to deal with that dynamic. And I'm really sad. Um, I wish it were not. It's just it. I would hope it would be more of a common sense community affirming issue but unfortunately it's not yeah you know i totally agree but and i also know that this is where groups like our ifa can serve you know we 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 won't shy away from talking about the partisan sides there but the goal there is to talk about as you mentioned we've 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 tried to create this toolkit through the lens through, through the lens of faith and through the lens of community and from you know and of coming together and and being able to be you know to be able to have conversations but also to be able to find common ground and uh you know you we know that we can have conversations with people that are apolitical on this topic but you know as everyone knows that the 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 topic itself has been inundated with politics now for you know, yeah. the better part of, I guess, I would say the better part of the century now, you know, that we've been dealing with this for a while, for the last 20 plus years, for sure. sure. Uh, yeah. Well, but you know, in those days when I was hunting uh, as a 
junior high kid. I got my uh, Boy Scout marksmanship merit badge and every target that I shot had National Rifle Association on it. Um, I took gun safety training. I got that orange patch from my hunting jacket. It was a mark of, um, you know, one of those markers, I could get your driver's license yeah. and whatever. Um, I, it was just uh, uh, one more step towards adulthood. Um, and uh, um, God, it's just, it's just not that way today. Um, the, the culture has just changed. And um, I, I just grieve um, the loss of what was, but we have to deal with what is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's a, a great place for us to, to stop here and with this conversation. But uh, so again, I, I want to thank you, uh, you know, Rolf, for joining us and sharing your story and, and for all the work you have been doing and, and are continuing to do. I, I want to remind our listeners that uh, from, you can get more information about our Protect Minnesota Interfaith Alliance if you're interested in learning more or joining. Uh, we are actively seeking uh, more members. And uh, you can reach out to uh, info at protectmn.org. That's I-N-F-O at protectmn.org for more information on either Interfaith Alliance as a, as a volunteer group or uh, on our toolkit and the status of it. As we talked about it, um, you know, we're really excited about it. Our goal is to get it out and be make it available um, by late spring. We're going to hopefully be meeting in the next couple a month or two here to really kind of finalize everything. So, um, Again, Roll, thank you so much for your time. It's always a, it's always great to sit down and chat with you, and and uh, really appreciate you, uh, your willingness to support our work and and do what you do. Yeah, well, thank you, Jared. Great to talk with you. Thank you for your diligent work with Protect Minnesota. It's great to be on the same team and. Um, onward here we go absolutely uh thank you all for listening this has been 52 reasons why i'm jared muskets with protect minnesota and we will uh talk to you next time bye thank you for joining us on protect minnesota the podcast where we explore 52 reasons why gun violence is an issue in our state if you want to listen to past episodes of the podcast or for more information about how you can be involved in this movement visit protect mn.org. Until next time.